Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back to Recovery Sort Of. I didn't say all right or so before I said that this time on purpose, and uh, now I'm dropping my pen. Anyway, I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery, as always, here with... Billy. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And I think we're going to talk about spiritual living, spiritual principles, spirituality, some kind of shit like that today. I mean, honestly, we've had these, uh, these really cohesive great last three episodes, so I'm almost kind of feeling like we're due for a shitty one, honestly. So I I figure we could just talk about nothing and people can hate it, and then we'll get back on the ball with Step 8 next week. (laughs) Um, Just a little housekeeping stuff. Um, You know, always uh, check us out, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We we meme and talk and just banter about recovery and caring about people and and all that great stuff. Definitely want to thank Daniel again for for last week. That was a really fun episode to learn about smart recovery. Uh, A lot of good feedback. People enjoyed it. People liked his take on a lot of things. Um, I did talk to Stephanie on Instagram this week. The only person, I mean, I got some other feedback too, but she she had some a couple of things. One, the faster scale that Daniel had mentioned. She said there's an app for it, and so if you were interested in that faster scale of checking yourself out and self evaluation, there's actually an app for that, so you can look that up. Um, and she also mentioned that she loved the fact that he said that SMART puts a lot of emphasis on the quality of recovery over the quantity and, you know, that she has not had that experience in 12-step, um, that it's always kind of like the focus of if you have more clean time, you are better or have more right or have a better say or opinion. And I do agree with that to some extent, not completely. Like I, I, you know, I I personally will look at people and evaluate and judge their recovery and and definitely say, you know, yeah, you have 25 years, but you're out of your mind. You're not really doing any work on yourself. Um, Whereas this guy has three years, but he's really self-reflective. But there's something to our culture over time about that. I mean, I don't know. I was always raised that like you respect your elders, that their life experience means something, that they have Mm. value just in just living as long as they've lived and seeing as much as they've seen entitles them to a certain amount of respect. But what about the guy, and and I'm picturing a certain individual, and I'm not going to name any names, obviously, because that's brutal uh, (laughs) for that individual, but okay, so there's a guy, I, I guess he's got like 25 years now, I don't know, maybe it's the low 20s. And this guy was, like, area chair for, like, eight years just because nobody really wanted to do it. And he, I guess, liked the power aspect of it, even though there's no fucking power in service. And 
uh, he would like run the area as if he had the ultimate say in the thing. Like really, so if you don't understand the area chair position, basically you're just there to kind of mediate the meeting. Yeah, director. Almost. Yeah, you, you're not really guiding the conversation. Facilitator. Yeah, you, you. It's not your opinion that matters, really. You're not even supposed to bring an opinion. You're just supposed to kind of show up. Honestly, my opinion of what the president's supposed to do too. They're just kind of supposed to do what the people want, not what they fucking want. Um, but so yeah, he ran it as if it was all about you know the direction he wanted to go with NA or something, and then always hitting on the new young ladies, you know, attempting the 13th step, it seemed. If you watch them all over the Facebook comments, as soon as there's a picture of a girl that has a little cleavage on it, it's a hello beautiful comment underneath, and it's just like, oh my god, like, fuck his 20-some years, what the fuck? Like, and I'm not saying we don't all struggle in some area. He probably does a lot of nice things, I'm sure he picks up a newcomer for a meeting. I'm not trying to completely bash him, but it's like, why would I, what does his life experience really have to offer me in spirituality and spiritual principles. Yeah. Well, I think two things first and foremost, it's like any, uh, rules, quote unquote rules that we have in life. There's usually outliers or things that don't, you know, fall under that general living rule. Mm. Um, so yeah, not every old person that you go talk to has a good <laughs> outlook on life. You know what I mean? Like some of them are fucking crazy. Maybe they've mentally deteriorated or whatever. Right. Whatever. You know, every older person that you talk to isn't necessarily have a great opinion. But in general, when you talk to people that are 60, 70, 80 years old, their life experience means something. Mm. Um, I would say similar to recovery. If I talk to 20 people that have 20 plus years or more, 15 of those are probably going to have some really valuable, helpful information. Maybe all 20 will have valuable information in one area or another. Right. But I would say probably 15 of those 20 are going to, in general, be living a pretty good life, a pretty sound spiritual life. And five of them are still going to be sick or crazy or some combination of those things. So does that mean I say, all right, well, then clean time doesn't mean shit because a few of the many that have it suck? Yeah, I was trying to think of why else we might do that. And, and like, in an area... Okay, so, hmm. So think of a trade, for example. So, you know, we have this, going back to the sponsorship Mm -hmm. thing. So we have people that have trades, and then you have, you know, these sponsorship, and you have your journeyman. Well, not every journeyman electrician is a fucking great electrician. Some Mm -hmm. of them are still hacks. Right. Some of them are still going to take shortcuts. They're going to do shitty work. And just because someone's done electrical work for 30 years doesn't mean they're good at it. But if you went out and looked for electricians, you'd probably want one that's been around for a while or that's more than like an apprentice or more than somebody that just got out of school. You would think, oh, if they've been doing this for 25 or 30 years, they probably have some good information. And that's interesting. I, I Like looking at that with doctors, you would think, you know, a doctor is better when they have seen more cases basically like the longer they've been around Mm. the more chance they have at identifying or having experience with running into whatever it is your your malady is at the moment right and yet at the same time there's also plenty of doctors who the longer they've been around the less they want to listen to you because they might feel like they know it all now at this point they've done it for 20 years you've read google for a day right like so it, it is that dichotomy of like are you Using your experience wisely, or do you know it all now that you have experience, (laughs) right? right? Right. I I was thinking one of the other reasons we might be scared to value quality over quantity would be 
it's such a dangerous game when you're talking about drug addiction, when you're talking about overdoses and fentanyl and, and all these chances of you not coming back. Like, yeah, it's great to say, hey, he had a lot of quality and then he accidentally used for a day, but that quality doesn't go away and he came right back. But it's just so scary to think that these people won't come back, right? It's not like, uh, and, and I'm not trying to belittle any other form uh, uh, or way that we can manifest in our addiction, right? Like, I'm not trying to say that that overeating is any less awful for your life, but generally you can value the quality of overeating uh, clean time, would you call it, right? Even if they have little moments of relapse without the fear of losing the fucking individual. And I think that might be, it might not be a great reason to, to value quantity over quality, but it might be a reason why we are hesitant to say, oh, the quality's good, it's okay, you know, that, that you messed up right there. And, and did that because it's a fear that you might not come back. Right. And now just to, to defend my topic that I picked today a little bit you since go. you didn't like it so much. <laughs> um, to me, that's what like the quality is, like the understanding principles, understanding values, understanding the type of people that we want to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's what to me quality means. So I'm going to really look for people in recovery that have the qualities that I want more so than just people that have a bunch of time. Like, I just don't go out and go, oh, well, anybody with 15 years or more can be my friend. That's the only people I want to be around. No, I'm going to look for people that are living or that have values in their life that are similar to mine, Mm. you know, and and in that case, at least in my immediate support group, I try to pick people that I feel like have similar values, similar similar spiritual goals, spiritual principles in their life that I would have. And those are the people that I want to put myself around. It's interesting. So, and we, and we are like the culmination of our closest friends. Like that is a good judge of where we are in our life. I think I've heard that before and it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just, I don't want to get us way too off topic and I always <laughs> do anyway, but uh, so if we go out and we make friends with people who are very similar to where we're at, right? Which I, absolutely, that's what we do. Why wouldn't we? We want people who are like us and are living like-minded things. And yet I would almost think if I want to grow or continue to grow, I would almost need to search out people who are past where I'm at at all times. I can't really just settle in the place where I'm at, unless I guess the place where I'm at is I'm trying to grow more. And then I guess we're all growing together, but that's... That's interesting. Like, how do you do that? How do you find people that are where you want to be and yet hang out with people who are where you're at? Well, I don't – yeah. I I think if you're looking at it from, uh, like, strictly a skills perspective, what I would call a skills perspective, um, the ideal place to be – I would think would be in in both. Like I want some people that are better than me. Let's say fishing. Let's say I want to be a good fisherman. Well, I would want some people that have a little more experience that are probably a little better fishermen than me. Mm. But it'd also be nice to have some people that are a little less experienced or less skilled because then I can try to take those skills and teach them to somebody else. And that process of learning and giving would reinforce you know, it. Yeah, reinforce yeah. it or or help me figure out like, hey, I was trying to teach this skill and I keep teaching it this way and it isn't really working out like maybe there's a different way to look at this or a different way to think about it or a different presentation of it and at least my understanding of recovery is that's the ideal place for me to be is you know I should have a sponsor I should have some people that have some things that I want in my life but then I should also be in a position of 
helping people or, or guiding people that are maybe not where I am. And then the flip side of that is I, there are always going to be people that have certain uh, understanding skills or abilities of complex principles that are better than mine, no matter how much time I have or how much time they have. Mm-hmm. So someone that's coming in with a year or two years clean might have a way better understanding of being in an emotional relationship or how to connect intimately with their wife. You know, that's a skill that I just don't really have that well at the time that I have clean. So, you know. That's interesting. It's, it's yeah, so I'm just thinking, like, uh, it's almost in that teaching that I not only get reinforced and reminded of what I need to do, right? Like, when I, as soon as I tell somebody, hey, man, you should probably hit some more meetings if you're not feeling good. Maybe you should call some people in your network, work the steps. Like, that helps me feel better. It's in that that I'm reminded often of my solutions and then there's another step to that where I'm also not just reminded, but I'm, I'm questioned about why, right? And then I'm forced to figure out where I stand. Because when I just have ideas about where I stand, I don't generally ever doubt them. I'm just like, yeah, that's where the fuck I stand. I'm about that, right? And then when people say, well, why are you about that? Right. Well, why would why would we do this this way? How does that really benefit us? I'm forced into one of two things. First, I got to think about it. Well, well, why the fuck do I do it that way? Right. Why is there a better way? And and then if I don't know, I get to seek out the answers from somebody who, you know, maybe gave me the information. Hey, you had told me before to do it this way. And now this guy asked me why when I told it to him. And (laughs) why do we do it this way? right? Right. And I'm also forced to like finally figure out if it's really where I stand or not. Like I have to delve into it now and really like, does this really make sense or am I just doing this? Right. And and it's cool. It kind of gives me perspective on my own, my own shit. Then I really need to know, I get to find out where I stand and why. And if I really believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which I think all kind of leads us into our topic. So we, we won't get too far <laughs> off the beaten path of uh, whatever spiritual stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, and what I sort of first thought about was, you know, we hear this saying in, uh, it's in one of our readings that we read in our fellowship, but we hear it a lot, like, we are a spiritual, not religious program, mm. and it's like, okay, so, well, what does that mean, you know what I mean, and, and what does it mean, like, if I say, like, I am a spiritual person, or would I think that people would describe me as a spiritual person, like, what the, what does that mean, what right. does that look like, how is that relevant to being a drug addict, you know. Um, for me personally, it, it ties in with some of this in the way that what I learned when I came into uh, recovery when I first got introduced, for the longest time I didn't know why I was such a horrible person or why I felt like such a horrible person, why I felt so bad about myself, why I just I thought I was such a piece of shit and such a miserable failure. And uh, what I personally have come to understand or come to believe is that it's because I had some uh, values, some beliefs, some understanding of of spiritual principles in my life, and I wasn't living up to any of those. I was, you know, I could say, oh, yeah, I want to be honest. I want to be trustworthy. I think those are important things. I want to have, you know, quality relationships. But then the way I was living, like I was lying to people, I was stealing from people, I was doing things that, that were against my beliefs. And so that contributed to like my low self-worth, my low self-esteem, which then fed my desire to get high. You know, I would go back to getting high because then I didn't care about all that stuff. And as soon as I got straight, 
or sober or whatever word you want to use there, I would go back to feeling like a miserable, worthless piece of shit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I couldn't figure out how to break that cycle, you know, because to just stop using didn't fix the problem. It wasn't like I stopped using all of a sudden. I'm like, hey, I'm a good person and I'm this, you know, uh, things are going to get better in my life now. I was like, no, I stopped using and just felt like a bigger piece of shit because I was forced to, to look at the reality of the way I was living. And so it took me some years to, to come into the fellowship to start to realize, okay, these are principles that I think are important in my life, and how can I learn to live those in my life? And when I do that, I gain self-worth, self-esteem, um, you know, I feel like I'm a good person. And then I don't necessarily want to get high and destroy my life on a daily basis, <laughs> you know, right. because I feel like I have a, a good life. I'm, a, I'm living a, a quality life. Um, I think a lot of people get lost along that path. They think that if we just come in, stop using drugs, then things are just going to start to get better. Life's going to get better, and some things will. I mean, you'll you'll maybe you'll start taking a bath. Maybe you'll be able to get a job. <laughs> Brush my teeth. You know what I mean? You'll become you know employable. You'll right. get some of those things that we talk about social acceptability. Mm. Um, but that's another saying in our program. It's like social acceptability does not equal recovery. So. You know, for me, a big part of my recovery is learning what spiritual principles are and then which ones are important to me and how to take those principles and apply them in my life. Um, So for me, the process of recovery isn't just I come in, I stop using drugs, I get a job, and then my life falls into order. It's like, no, I got to learn about these principles and learn how to live them. Yeah, I and just for the record, I wasn't against this topic at all. I I was just sitting there, kind of in a a little bit of a funky space when Billy texted me about it, and I was like, "It's not a bad topic. I'm just not excited by it." But I wasn't excited by anything at that point in my life. It was like eh, I'm just feeling kind of meh about life, um, which is okay sometimes. And so I think what's interesting for me is that when if you would have asked me uh, six days ago, what is spirituality? Right. Or, or being spiritual. And how do you pick at that out out of somebody like what people in your life would you label spiritual? My first thought at all times when they say it's a spiritual, not religious program is that spirituality was somehow similar to religion, but different. Right. And so, you know, I understood what I meant by that. That religion was a set of rules about believing in a higher power. Spirituality was just believing in a higher power. Right. You have your own ability to talk to this higher power and figure out your relationship with it and how it works in the world. And it, there's no fucking set rules or dogma or, or anything about it. You, you just believe in some shit and you connect with it. Right. And that's OK. That's cool. So if you just said pick out spiritual people, I would have said people who had a belief in something. And then since we've got here this morning, my mind has changed (laughs) that that's not what spiritual means, even though that's what I've thought for years now. Uh, We look at the definition, the first one for spiritual, relating to or affecting the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. And so does that include what I said? Yeah, absolutely. Right. But this, I think, encompasses something a little bit more than just the fact of uh, a higher power, right? To me, I I guess if you want to get technical, maybe the spirit or soul only exists in 
a, a higher power type belief. Maybe uh, a strictly science-believing person might say a spirit or soul doesn't exist, but maybe they would interchange those words with, like, uh, consciousness or awareness or something, right? right? But basically, the, to me, the idea of this is that it's people who are less focused on what society is telling us we need to have or own or buy in order to be okay and more focused on what our internal consciousness says we need to be okay. And so that to me changes a lot because then it encompasses people who don't believe in a higher power for sure, which is where I was interested in this conversation was hearing your take on all that. And that's kind of exactly why I find it, you know, somewhat interesting to talk about. There are a lot of things I've heard in 12 step programs, you know, that I, I, I sort of fell into early on because, like say, people said it, so it must be true, and these people have more time than me, and whatever. And a lot of that was, well, the first thing you got to do is come in and get a God, you know, and without God, you're going to... And some... I don't want to diminish the need for powers greater than ourselves or looking for solutions and answers outside of ourselves. Like, all that's incredibly important. I don't know that I need a God to be a spiritual person. You know, Mm. I can live a spiritual life. Like, like there are atheist or agnostic people that can still live spiritual lives, you know, or, or be considered spiritual people. And I don't think God or a belief in some power outside, you know, some greater power outside of ourself, you know, mystical, magical being is the, the soul, a foundation for a belief in a spiritual life. Um, I found kind of this uh, definition, which I kind of liked. It was talking about uh, spiritual principles. So it says, a spiritual principle is a truth or creed that we choose to live by. They are different from values because they don't include things such as family and finances. They are universal concepts that help us to become better people. So Hmm. it's like I don't need, you know... uh, uh, organized set of values and beliefs handed down to me from a church or a synagogue or a mosque or whatever to figure out what my values and beliefs are and then to figure out how to live them to become the best version of myself. That reminds me of a, it was a meme or or some little internet thing that I found that said that like traditions were peer pressure from dead people. (laughs) And And I love that because I, I don't ultimately buy into tradition too much. I, I don't need to buy people cards on their birthday. Like that was something my mother found really important and, and still does. I don't, right? I don't need to support Hallmark in order to tell somebody I love them on their birthday. I think that just doesn't apply to my life, right? I, I don't need Christmas to look a certain way. I, there's ways I like it to look and there's traditions traditions, right, that my family and I like to do together. We like to do things a similar way sometimes year after year, but because it works for us and we enjoy it, not because I feel that I'm supposed to, right? We, If none of us want to bake fucking cookies this Christmas, then we don't want to bake fucking cookies. I don't need to feel like I need to do it. And so that's kind of what that reminded me of is that I don't need to have this set of values that's based on what my parents gave me or, or anybody else in society tells me. I need to find these creeds, not that, you know, Catholicism or, or Judaism or anything gave me, but that I come up with, right? That's the spiritualness for me. I get to pick what I think matters and then apply it in my life. And that's what I think you were talking about. That's when I am happy with me and I think I'm a good person. 
Right, and that I think is how we find the the joy in life, you know, the mm. freedom to be who we are, to like the people that we are, to be comfortable in our own skin. Like that's that is a result I think of living by our values and beliefs, you know, and it's not always easy, you know, like it's, right. it's sometimes it's difficult. Um before, you know, the podcast we sat here and talked about some things with parenting it's like i find myself in conflict with with parenting sometimes it's Mm. like in my head i'm like well i want to be this loving understanding compassionate supportive person and at times in the day you know i come home from work i'm tired i want to eat you know whatever excuses i make and you know my son comes down hey i broke my xbox controller and then i'm like what the fuck man why are you you know and i lose my shit and i start yelling and complaining and try to you know almost make them feel bad Mm. and it's like that's not the person that i want to be you know what i mean and so it it takes me uh i have to well i don't have to recovery is choosing to try better to be the person i want to be not necessarily the person i am you know in the moment and to take that that Xbox controller example, which uh, I, I guess was recorded on the YouTube version of this yeah. that we we chattered about, but to take that one step further, it's also the conflict of the people we want to be. Right? Yes, I want to be a loving, caring parent. Yes, I also want to be a parent that can instill the values of like taking care of the things you buy and and you know making wise decisions with money, and then taking care of things so you don't have to spend extra money on things. You've already taken care of it and it still works, right? And so I want to instill both of these. And how do I how do I make those two different principles that I'm trying to give my children or that I'm trying to act in, how do I make them coincide and work together, right? And right. is it more loving to just get my kid another Xbox controller because it's so heartbreaking that they, they don't get to do one of their favorite things, right? Because I would I would want to get a new golf club if my golf club broke, uh, you know, whether it was my fault or not. I would still want to get a new one if, what, am I just never going to play golf again because I, you know, had a bad moment? But is it more loving to teach a lesson in that moment or or how do I apply the lesson lovingly? Like sometimes these values or, or not values, these spiritual principles or, or, or creeds that we come up with for ourselves are in conflict. And it's like, how do we fucking make that work together? Right. And then how do we uh, – what, what sort of order do they play out in our lives? You right. know what I mean? Like for me, being loving and understanding and compassionate – if I were to write it out on paper or tell someone that those were my highest values, you know, that's that's what I that's the person I want to be. But in that situation, that's not the way that I acted. Right. <laughs> like in that situation, what I've done is put, you know, basically money, you know, because that's what I look at. Oh, now I got to go out and buy something new because you were irresponsible. Mm. It's like I'm I'm living in conflict to the values that I have. And then at the end of the day, when I lay down at bed, for me, it's kind of going through my day or going through a tenth step and, and realizing like, shit, you know, I acted this way and it's not the person that I want to be, you know. And, and that's why I have this uh, discomfort or disease in, in my spirit at the end of the day. Dis-ease. Uh, for the, we're right close to the 30-minute mark. Let's go ahead and take our break and we'll come back and maybe get into some principles. This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. 
Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back, and we're still talking about spiritual, spiritualness, spirituality, spiritual principles. I, I don't. I'm fucking making up words now. I don't know. Um, in trying to come up with like a definition of what we're trying to do, you know, because we we try to explain this in ways that that the newer member who's got you know three days clean and doesn't understand the fucking twelve step lingo or, or recovery lingo, or the family member, or just the curious person could possibly find a way to relate this to their life or at least get an understanding of how it could apply in someone's life. So I was trying to picture, like, what are we really saying when we say we want to live a spiritual life in recovery without looking up the definition? Though I I did really enjoy the definition that we gave. But the best thing I could really come up with was that we're trying to move from a self-centered way of life Two, and this is where I got a little lost. Like my initial thing was like we're moving from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, right? And I'm like, well, that doesn't fucking apply for some people, for sure. So we're moving away from self-centeredness and to like a, a, a world-centeredness, a society-centeredness, where we just want to include others in our thoughts. Yeah, like, or selflessness. Like, okay, yeah. So we're trying to a spiritual life is a, a move from total self-concern to being concerned about other things besides just us. Like, how is my neighbor feeling? How is that person who just went through this situation? How is my kid's current situation affecting them, not how it applies to me, right? Like, I tend to do this with everything. Uh, Oh, my child's turning 15 this October. Well, oh my God, that makes me old. Right? No. That makes my child turns 15 this fucking October. It's about them, not me. So I just, it's interesting. I guess, is that, do you think that's a good definition of spiritualness? Yeah. And and so it's funny, like I've, when you talk about your child and how it affects you, I've, from a recovery perspective and talking to my wife, she's pointed this out to me. Like if I have a, a sponsee that's celebrating an anniversary or even her. So she just had her anniversary. My mm-hmm. wife just celebrated her 31 years. Yes, congratulations. That's awesome. And, uh. You know, immediately what I do is put all this pressure on myself about what I'm going to say. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, shit, you know, what am I going to say? How am I going to, you know, how am I going to handle this? And it, it immediately turns all about me instead right. of being in the moment of like, wow, this person is really celebrating this great thing. And how can I honor them? How can I, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's about I want to sound good at their <laughs> anniversary. Like, I want to take the fucking center stage and and be the highlight (laughs) no absolutely it's funny i just watched uh with my some of my older kids i watched knives out last night uh it's on amazon prime it's like a murder mystery kind of comedy movie it had some 
I don't know. It was advertised a while back. I just finally got the chance to watch it. But it basically, the the guy, the father of the family, died. And then as the detectives are interviewing all the family members, they make it all about them. And, like, their portrayal of what happened the night before, always it was different for each one. Even though it was the same thing happening, each one pictured themselves center stage. In the, <laughs> and I was like, that's fucking hilarious. I do that. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the, the one of our biggest problems, you know, as addicts, is we tend to live in this self centered self-serving world everything's about me all the time and i don't reflect on how my anger my agitation my whatever affects my kids or my wife or you know the dog when i come in and yell at the dog for nothing you know so we agree that that we are trying to move from a self-centered way of living to a more selfless thinking about other things outside of us type of life like i think that's a pretty easy agreement for people in recovery but does that encompass what we would call spirituality? Is that a good definition for spirituality or, or spiritual living? Or is that just something else that we're trying to do? Um, I mean, at least for me. I can only talk about myself. Mm-hmm. Like, my goal is to try to basically a, a value or, or a principle that I've come to place highly in my life is to do no harm, to not harm others. So... You know, my goal is to try to live a spiritual life that causes the least amount of harm to the people around me or to myself. Um, I don't know how that answers your question. I'm trying to like <laughs> I'm trying to look at this definition relating to or affecting the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. And so, I, what I'm just realizing about this definition is it's saying as opposed to material or physical things. So my question was kind of like, okay, so someone comes into recovery and their va- their belief systems are what's important to me is, you know, maybe more of a, a hedonistic lifestyle. And I don't say that in any derogatory way, but maybe that's what they're interested in is the concept of I'm here for a short time. I don't believe in the afterlife. I just believe in bringing myself pleasure right now, right, which is, I, I think, the concept of hedonism. Um, but that's usually entirely about material or physical things that bring pleasure sensations. And so if that's their belief in what's good for them, does that, is that in contrast to spiritualness or or spirituality? I'm trying to not say spirituality for some reason. I keep saying spiritualness, which isn't a fucking thing. Uh, is, Is that in contrast to that? Because spiritual in this definition says it's not about material or physical things. It doesn't say it's not about pleasure, but I almost feel like there's justification for it doesn't matter how it affects others. It's about pleasing myself in in that kind of theory. So I'm just they wouldn't be moving away from self-centeredness necessarily in their belief system. And I, I wouldn't say their belief system is wrong. I'd say it's different than mine. But well, and I think those come down to judgments, you know, almost like we talked about in the beginning of this are, you know, what do we consider spiritual people, you know? Mm. Obviously, someone that you might say, oh, I think that's a very spiritual person. I might not necessarily think is mm. a spiritual person, and and vice versa. Like, that's going to depend on, on what I look at as spiritual. Um, and then, you know, I'd relate that to, like, say, what we talked about in the beginning, which is, what do I consider quality recovery? You know, what is... When we talk about, you know, it's it's quality versus quantity. All right, so what does that mean to you? 
You know, what you consider someone's with a quality recovery, you know, what does that look like? That might be different for you than it is for me. I'm wondering if this move away from self-centeredness, that's not really material or physical that okay so like for instance you were talking about uh you know making or, or or sometimes your brain can try to make your wife's anniversary about what can you say to sound good or or, or look good right and i struggle with the same things i'm not putting this on you but that's not a material or physical thing but i feel like it's still something external that i'm chasing that i'm still trying to move away from in my spiritual practice like i still want to move away from that but it's not necessarily, it doesn't fit in that definition of like being material or physical. It's just another thing that I'm trying to seek outside of me to be the answer to my problem. So maybe, maybe for me, spirituality so. is not seeking external things in order to feel better. Maybe that's what my, my real definition of spirituality is. It's doing internal work to feel better and not seeking any kind of outside thing like that spiritual definition sort of limits it to moving away from physical or material pleasures or, or things. Maybe my spirituality is moving away from anything outside of me because I can get accolades or, or things from other people or, or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a thing. I don't have to go buy a computer to feel good or a car. And I think, I mean, at least for me, and I might be bastardizing the English language, but for me, like, the difference between a spiritual principle and a value, like, those are kind of close, but the difference is a spiritual principle is more in a in a metaphysical context. It's more of a, uh idea, not something that I can uh, put, like, a concrete measurement on Mm. um it might be like love or hope or trust or faith like those aren't things that that you can like measure you know you can't you can't see them you can't touch them you can't feel them but if there's nothing wrong to say like i value financial success and then i measure that by saying i live you know above the poverty line or i make three hundred thousand dollars a year like for me personally, for someone to say that, say, oh, I, I value financial success. I go out and I work really hard. I own my own business. I make $500,000 a year. Like, and that's what I, you know, put that success on. Like, that's all fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not making a judgment on that value. That's a value that they have. But that's something that you can kind of almost see and touch and feel. Um, so whereas a-, a spiritual principle, you know, like love... You know, I can't say, well, I value love, so I'm going to have five people in my life that I love now. You know, like it's, it's a different. <laughs> okay. But so are you saying, I don't, I don't know where we're going with that exactly. Yeah. Like, are you saying, can both exist at the same time? Is that possible? Can you have the value of seeking these external things like a, a financial success and then also isn't that going to come into conflict with the spiritual principles where we're talking about moving away from that? Um, well, I would say no. I would mm. say that I can have values and live a spiritual life. I mean, I don't, maybe some people view a spiritual person as being like the Buddha who had no – I mean that was – if you look at I, – I think what most people would say is like the ultimate spiritual person being the Buddha, you know, which – and, and Buddhism in general, like that's a lot of that philosophy is kind of not 
about materialism or material things. Um, me personally, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I don't mm. think you can only be spiritual if you detach and, and disconnect from all material things. <laughs> you know, like I think you can have both of those things. You know? Right. I think I can care about, you know, having like a nice home and a nice car and you know, some financial stability in my life and still live a very spiritual life. I don't think they're in conflict. I don't think they have to be. Or right, they don't I, have to I, be. I think for they a guy be. like me, they frequently do, <laughs> yeah. do go into, you know, conflict. Uh, and yeah, and so, you know, I keep referring back to the definition. As spiritual is relating to or affecting the spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. And I think that's maybe where my wiring and I don't know if this is a human thing or, or an addict thing, probably a human thing, because the more I learn, the more I think everything's a human thing. I don't think we're really that different. We might go to another level with it, extreme, but I think my wiring is that I take these material or physical things and try to fill my spirit or soul with them. I try to appease the the dis-ease in my spirit or soul with these things that I place value on. Right, you call them values. I value making money. I value uh, uh, being looked at as somebody who can pull an attractive woman. Right, like I, I value being looked at as a guy who's respected in the community. When really those things really rob me of finding a true way to fill my spirit or soul because I'm using them and they're not the right shape or size to fit the void that I feel. I guess. Yeah, and I think that's where those things become dangerous. When we're using those outside things to, to fill that void, then what we start to see is our our spiritual principles, these principles that we think are important. Our spirit suffers because I'm trying to use an outside thing to fill that spiritual need. And right. They make that a little simpler, tie it back into like money, monetary stuff. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, yeah, I have to go to work and, and make a living and I want to provide for my kids and, and that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, the the balancing act of like, well, how do I do that but then still be like available to be loving and caring and, and supportive of them and different endeavors that they're having in their life? Um, how do I be careful not to get so caught up into work that I become absent from my home life, mm. you know, and I find myself in those kind of conflicts a lot. It's like, well, I need to be financially successful in order to support them in these certain areas, but then I end up working so much that I'm never home. Right. And then that financial piece has overtaken, you know, my spiritual side, you know, my values have overtaken my spiritual beliefs. And now I'm not really being loving and caring and supportive of my family anymore. I'm just providing financial stability, which puts those things in conflict. So I guess maybe spirituality doesn't have a, a, an exact definition for any group of individuals. It's almost specific for each person, right? But things we can look at is, are we more focused on us or are we also taking into consideration the people around us? Um, what makes us feel content with ourselves at the end of the day what actions like lead to that content feeling within ourselves um what how are we trying to what are we trying to do to feel good today right like am i using 
uh, food to try to feel better? Or am I using, you know, reaching out to a relationship or, or, or searching for prestige? Or am I using the fact that I'm just happy with the way I treated someone, right? And maybe another factor might be like, we're trying to move away from fear-based action and into love-based action. And like, maybe these are the kind of the guides and what that might mean for each individual person. They could mean different things, right? We all need to do that self-evaluation of like, am I going too far at work? Am I stepping on the, the coworker next to me to try to get the, the promotion ahead of them, right? Or, you know, am I even going further than that and like completely setting them up to get fired so that I get the promotion? Like, you know, some people are going to be okay with certain behaviors at certain points in time in their life. I've definitely been okay with what I would call now shadier behaviors at different times that I'm not okay with anymore. Right. And that kind of ebbs and flows, but I think it's one of those things where we just got to look at these different aspects. And these are, maybe those are like four good questions to ask. Maybe that should be the new fucking step 10, like daily inventory. Like (laughs) what am I using for contentness today? Right. Mm. Am I only looking at things that you know, and how they affect me, or am I also considering how they affect those around me? Am I doing things because I'm scared of a particular outcome down the line, or am I doing things because they they feel loving to do right now? Like, those are some interesting questions to ask. Yeah, and just, you know, t- for the, the co-worker thing, like, there's great value in, like, showing up for work on time, being a productive member at your job you know trying to do your part maybe even go a little extra like those are all good things and if you show up and do those things and then get the promotion over your coworker, that's fine but if you take it to the point where it's like okay well now i'm gonna like sabotage this person i'm gonna like slip notes to the boss about what they're not doing or find subtle ways to highlight everyone else's shortcomings like that is what i would consider not spiritual so it's not necessarily the goal of trying to get the promotion that's the problem it's the way that i go about doing that that's the problem you know it's okay for me to live a life that i'm want to be like happy and free and have what i consider to be success like those are all good things those are important you know it's important to my quality of life but when i start doing it in a way that that makes me feel like guilt or shame or embarrassment or remorse or regret you know then i probably need to take a look at that like those are things uh those are signs that my spirit is is not where it should be that i'm not living in accordance with my spiritual values and and i think this is a really really tricky thing for for addicts alcoholics non-addicts humans in general because we are sold a message from our society that's maybe not so spiritual in nature. Uh, in, in almost my whole day, really, in dealing with society, it's you don't need to live the spiritual way. Uh, and, and maybe this is different in other parts of the world. In America, it definitely feels like, hey, everybody for themselves, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get yours, fuck everybody else to some extent, right? And then maybe later on, well, we kind of care about people a little. And so drug use, right? It was very easy to see when I was getting high. It wasn't that easy to see. But as soon as I I attempted recovery, it was easy to see that's not acceptable according to society, right? Whereas maybe somebody who goes out and gets drunk, 
very frequently or parties or, or goes to the club every Friday and Saturday and then, you know, has a couple beers with dinner. Like there's almost like a right to protect that for some people, right? Like I can come home after a hard day's work and have a couple of cold beers. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Like there's this societal view where we've been sold by big alcohol, mind you, that, that that's very normal, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You should defend that, that it's almost like in the fucking bill of rights, right? You should defend that ability to have a couple cold ones with your crabs or whatever the fuck you eat in your, you know, neck of the woods. And I, I just feel like it's so much harder to, to live a spiritual life or to even see that I need to once I'm here, because nobody in society is telling me that like, buying a new car is not the solution for my, the way I feel my spiritual malady, right? They're not saying, Hey, don't try to date attractive women. That's never going to fix you. They're like, yeah, fuck yeah. He's dating that hot <laughs> right. girl. That's great for him. Right? So I'm sold these messages like, you know, rich athletic people are, are better than everyone else. And it's like, it's hard for me to see that that's not what I, I really need to work towards. Maybe like maybe there's another option of what I can work towards, which is, spirituality yeah and i think that's where you know in recovery hopefully we're lucky enough to see some people around that have these values and principles in their lives um those people are in society too it's not Mm. like recovery only has the monopoly on spiritual principles right um or spiritual people um I think that personally is an appeal of organized religion for a lot of people. We see these individuals within those organizations that express the highest and best values, the highest and best principles of those religious practices. You know, these, not all, but some really good pastors and ministers that will teach you about God's love or Jesus's love or, you know, forgiveness and acceptance and humility and all these great things. And those are appealing, I think, to people in general. Um, I think we do have a problem where we're getting a mixed message from society and uh, what I would call capitalism, you know, like consumerism, consumerism. Yeah. And this capitalistic view of things and, Mm -hmm. and that can sway us. Uh, in what I think is a negative or wrong direction, I just um, want to throw Allah's love in there too, because yeah. we don't we don't say a lot about uh, Islam on here. We talk about Buddhism and and Christianity yeah. a lot, but yeah, Islam too. They're all relevant. Like, and I'm not that familiar with Muslim faith, so it's hard to talk about it. Right. I, I don't. I just don't know enough about it. It's never a religion that I've spent a lot of time exploring. So same. I, I just wanted to make sure. To start right. saying words I don't know. I just wanted to throw Allah's love yeah, in there. To but know. sure, yeah, Inclusive. exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the big problems that's a sickness in our society right mm. now. I think we've lost the the importance of spiritual principles and spiritual values. And to me, if you look back, like, you know, on Jesus, like, I think that's the values that typically when people talk about Jesus are the values that are expressed what made him this great, wonderful figure, you know, historical figure, if you want to say it that way. You know, was that he like totally sacrificed himself to death so that other people could have these freedoms. And yet today it's like we live almost an opposite way of like, I got to defend my freedoms from everybody else. You know, fuck you. I'm not giving up nothing. You know, mm. I'm holding on to everything I got, you know, and, right. and it's a it's almost the opposite to me when I look at how society lives and how people act versus what we think are the highest ideals and highest 
values of these historically religious people. But that's my uh, – anyway, so I think like when you look at something like addiction – okay, let's get back to addiction because I was thinking of this. How long do we have to keep beating this dead horse of, well, it's a moral failing. We need to lock these people up. We need to shame them. We need to make them feel guilty and embarrassed and, you know, plaster their mugshots on Facebook. You know, that Mm. seems to work really well. Like, how long do we have to keep going down that road and failing as we completely lose the war on drugs? As we completely just keep, you know, dumping millions of dollars more in taxes down an empty hole that is I don't know anywhere that the drug problem's gotten better by this approach but yet we keep doing it over and over and over again and when you look at some areas at least right now where it looks like we've had success where there's been success it seems like are where we become more accepting where we become more loving and supportive where we try to meet these people at their level of suffering and to address some of that suffering and then lift them up out of those different situations. Um, That looks like the better way to deal with addiction. That seems to be the better way to deal with mental health issues. That seems to be the better way to deal with uh, neglect and abuse and trauma, you know. And slowly, I think at least in some of the more uh, social aspects, the, the social services aspects of society. I think that's the way things are going. Um, It would be nice to see that reflected more in the overall view of society. Societal change is so slow. I I remember (laughs) listening to a a history podcast that talked about changes in society in Rome. And, And they said it was the basic concept was they were meant to be made slowly over time. And they gave an example of a time when a guy tried to like force progressive change quickly and how wrong it went. And and I don't remember the entire concept of it, but it was really well laid out. And I was like, damn, that does kind of make sense that we change slowly for a reason because too drastic of a change almost uh, just doesn't work out very well. Um, you talked about Jesus and, and these high aspirations, and it just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it brought up a, a, one of Jesus' teachings for me, and it just seems kind of relevant. Maybe it's not at all, but I'll tell you, say it anyway, because <laughs> fuck it, right? Um, I remember, and, and I encounter this like in my kids sometimes, and in myself, I'm sure. I probably don't see it as well in myself, but my kids will be nice to their friends, but like, not as nice to other kids or, or, or something along those lines, right? And they're like, well, why would I be nice to that person? They're mean to me or or that person is mean to other people, so I don't want to treat them nice. And I remember Jesus' story of uh, the, the taxpayers, right? And, and basically, I guess in biblical times, the taxpayers were horrible, horrible people. I don't right. know. Maybe they were the IRS, <laughs> right? Uh, but they were just considered really nasty, vile people. And so his point was, even they're friendly to their friends. Like, even they treat their family at home well. Yeah. What does that really say? Like, everybody can do that. That's easy. Right. It's easy to treat your family well and your friends well, of course. But are you treating the people you don't like that much well? Because that's really fucking saying something. And I just feel like that's relevant to the concept of, of spirituality and moving away from that self-centered view, right? Like... Yeah, it's easy to treat people well that please me or that bring me satisfaction, those close to me, those loved ones. 
But I think the spiritual view is to go beyond that and to treat all people pretty well, right? It's to consider all people like, hey, I don't like that guy's actions, but A, there might be some reasons he acts like that, right? Maybe he went through some tough shit, right? And and now he's here and he acts like that and I don't have to be mean about it. Or just be, who gives a fuck how he acts? My spirituality is about my internal condition. It has nothing to do with how much of a jerk that guy is. Like, do I want to go home and be a jerk just like him? Because <laughs> that's what I am if I treat him like a dick. Or do I want to go home and be like, yeah, man, I live spiritually, even though that guy was a jerk. Right. And, and yeah, and for me, that's what recovery, this process of recovery has been about, is learning about those principles and how to... How to be that? Like I say, all right, I want to be a loving person. Okay, well, what does that look like? How does that, what does that mean to me when I go out into the world and, you know, whatever. Somebody doesn't hold the door for me at, when I'm walking in a store or someone cuts me off in traffic. You That's know what I mean? That's the number one. Am I still, you know, am I willing to be loving to that person? You know, right. am I willing to, to try to be compassionate and empathetic towards them also? And I don't think that's the only place that counts, but I, I do think there's something about that might be, for me at least, more of a judge of where I am than how well I treat my family or friends. Like, they're going to get a better, well, maybe not always my family. They get some of the worst of me, too. But I think the how I treat people I'm not really that fond of might tell me more about me in this moment than anything else. Like, that might be a better uh, uh, bar to, like, judge myself on. Not to judge myself harshly, but just, hey, where am I in my level of practicing this spiritual principle today? Well, not, you know, was I loving and kind to my adorable five-year-old. That's fucking easy right. most of the time. Uh, but was I loving and kind to the guy who cut me off in traffic? Yeah, and, you know, that's for the recovery process and step work like that's the importance of like a 10th step for me is is being able to look at those situations cuz as we get into daily life like some of this stuff some days I'm just going through the motions of of life and I go to work and I come home and I I'm not even present right I'm not mm. even really being conscious about how I treated the fucking clerk at Walmart or how I treated the person in traffic that cut me off you know they cut right. me off and I start flicking them off and yelling cuss words and blowing <laughs> the horn and then I just go on about my day and I don't even you know it, it it's in one ear I express my anger and it's out the other and you know then I go on about my day and so through this process of recovery I've sort of learned to take a minute or, you know, a few minutes each day or at least every couple of days and kind of look at that. Like, hey, how am I doing? You know, am I checking in with myself? How am I feeling about myself right now? And learning to identify those red flags of like when I'm not living according to these spiritual principles or when I'm not living according to, you know, my values and beliefs. Um, Because... You know, these staying kind of on that path of living by these principles and living by these values and beliefs have been what's made my life the happiest and most content and most fulfilling for me personally. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking about so uh, a neighbor of ours who, how to say this not rudely in any way, uh, she's so her son is in the same grade as my five year old son. And we, you know, they started getting on the bus. And so I I interacted with her a lot on the bus stop in the mornings before, you know, quarantine, obviously, and school shut down. 
and it's a, it's awkward. Our relationship is awkward. You know, I, I would say maybe she's a little bit of a strange individual. I could see a lot of people looking at me and saying, that's a little bit of a strange individual. So that's not a judgment, right? That's just, she's different than me. Uh, and I am different than her. And so that whatever reason, our vibes, it's very awkward when we're in person. And she had asked me, God, I don't know, like nine months ago or something, if we would watch her dog and take care of her chickens while they're on vacation. And today's the day they're going on vacation, right? And so... I'm not a guy who hates animals by any means. Uh, I, I question our use of animals. I, I almost, to some extent, think we use pets as an external thing to fill us up spiritually, internally, to, to you know relate it to this topic. But I'm not big on having animals in my house personally. I would rather not have animal hair on the things I sit on. I would rather not have the animal smell in my house. I I would rather not have, you know, animals get sick at times. I don't want to deal with any cleanup of that kind of stuff. Like I'm not big on it really. It's just not my thing at all. Honestly, uh, uh, I feel kind of the same way about my kids when they're babies and drooling all over everything and shit. I'm like, Oh my fucking God, that's gross. But whatever. I would just choose if I, if it was up to me completely to not have animals in my house. And so this dog's coming over today, and I'm not hugely thrilled about the concept of this dog being in my house for a week. And I'm like, can't we just leave it out back? <laughs> my <laughs> wife's like, it's too fucking hot for that. I'm like, is it really? Like, <laughs> there's shade. He's got a dog house out there. Like, we'll give it water, cold water. I'll put ice in the water, whatever, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, that's not going to work. And so... Looking at this from a point of spirituality and, and spiritual principles, these are the kind of conflicts I can have in my life, right? And, and maybe this seems minor to some people. Maybe it's, I don't know. My spiritual belief is that I would like to help this family out. I want them to be able to go and have a nice vacation, to not have to worry about their dog. I don't want them to not be able to go on vacation because they can't afford to board the dog. I don't want the dog to suffer because nobody watches it for a week. Like, there's a whole lot of things I don't want to happen, right? So, I I generally feel internally like I did the right thing to say I would help. I wanted to help. I wanted to be a useful human, right? That's that's my goal. So I believe I'm being in tune with my spirituality in that sense. In the other sense, what I have to do to be in tune with that spirituality by agreeing to that is going to be uncomfortable. And that's where I think I struggle at times. Like I don't always want to be physically uncomfortable in the moment to feel better later. And that's generally what my spirituality calls on me to do. It says, be physically uncomfortable and go do the fucking dishes instead of sitting here, which feels much better. And you'll feel better about you later. Get up and go to work and you'll feel better about you later, even though going to work sounds like it fucking sucks right now. And it always seems to involve me doing some physically uncomfortable now thing to feel better about me as a whole later. And that's rough for me. Do you struggle with that spirituality concept or? Uh, I mean, obviously in some areas, yeah. You know, if it was easy, then I would just do it naturally all the time. But it's it's not. And I think any level of like it almost gets to what you're talking about with society. Like we live in this society now that tells us that everything's supposed to be easy and comfortable and and, you know, serve us in some sort of way and that. This notion that we're supposed to, like, 
suffer a little bit in any way or go without something, you know, for any length of time is totally foreign. Like, that's totally, like, well, fuck, I ordered something from Amazon. It should be here, like, two hours from now, you know? Like, that whole concept. (laughs) We have a society that just feeds that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I can't just have, you know, regular ice cream. It's got to be, like, over the top with fucking... Gummy you know, bears. Yeah, gummy bears. All I can think is this old Simpsons episode where Chief Wiggum had the entire police force wear an underwear, and he said, oh, he kept saying, if it feels good, do it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just to get, like, sort of religious thing, like, I, I think that was always... So I tend to think, like, religion, is specifically Christianity, is, is taking old societal struggles and formed it into this nice story, this nice presentation that people can look at and, and go like, yeah, I see. And now we've gotten into this literalism, which we take all this stuff completely literal, which I don't think it was meant to be literal. I think it was meant to be anecdotal or mm. whatever. And so I think there is great value in looking at some of the anecdotal stories of, you know, religion. Um, and in that, I would say when you look at the things that represent sort of the devil or Satan or whatever, it's always like – self-serving, you know, greed, lust, envy, jealousy. It's it's all those kind of things. And I hate to say, but that feels like what our society is feeding right now the most. You know what I mean? It's, I want this right now. You know, someone else has this big TV. Well, I need a big TV. You mm. know what I mean? Oh, you have a 50-inch TV. Well, fuck, I only have a 40-inch TV. Well, now I need to go get a 50-inch TV. And it needs to be here tomorrow. I can't wait. A while to have that i deserve it now hmm. and uh like our culture's feeding that shit you know Credit. It's, it's feeding the devil you know <laughs> like, right, right. And, and you know what the the jesus version of that story is like no you know we're we're better off all of us are better off when we give more of ourselves to others when we love people that aren't lovable when we show compassion towards the the you know the whores and the prostitutes and the homeless and the lepers and and these outcast dredges of society like when we show love and compassion and faith like that is the 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 quote-unquote keys to heaven you know and i don't believe that heaven is this mystical place that we get when we die it's a place that we can find now and it's a place that we can find like internally we can find this like happiness and content and this feeling in our in our spirits if you will and inside of ourselves that's like fuck this feels good you know what mm. i mean like and it's not that surfacey like i just ate a big giant bowl of ice cream feeling it's a internal feeling of like i am really content that hole that you're talking about in my soul that i try to fill with all that other shit that i try to fill with the hot woman and the new car and the bigger house and the more money like that hole is the the devil hole that i want to fill with all that immediate lust stuff that's never satisfied that's never filled that's never complete and you know that that spiritual hole is filled with love and compassion and faith and trust and you know those those uh, giving of ourselves to help others is where you'll find spiritual fulfillment, not necessarily momentary m- minutes of bliss. Right. I'm so, I can never – I don't think I'll ever hear anyone say the words devil hole and not, <laughs> not specifically take that somewhere. Uh, yeah, no, you mentioned that. The whole concept of like everybody lives in debt and credit and because we want it now. 
I can't wait till I can actually have the money built up to buy that thing. I need it now. Let's do it on credit. And so we'll, we'll, you know, get it all wrapped up now and I'll pay later. I'll deal with the consequences later. Um, you know, I had looked up the definition for patience one time. And and so this kind of just bringing it to the, the things don't feel good in the present that I have to do, or they feel uncomfortable or they take work, right? The definition of patience, one of the definitions at least is long suffering, like, yeah. that doesn't sound pleasant or comfortable, right? <laughs> right? That's not what we want. Why the fuck would I want patience when I can have it now? When somebody gives me the option and tells me, you need to have this now, it's better for your life, why would I w- want to wait and suffer for a long time? That sounds terrible. But I think that is, I don't know, the key to joy? I, I hate to fucking act like I have the answer for that. Yeah, but. and we see this in our physical lives, too, as much as in our spiritual lives. Like... We see in our spiritual, I mean, our physical lives. Like, I, I, currently, I go exercise. You know, almost every morning out of the week. I don't fucking like it. It's mm. not like I don't get a whole lot of joy and fulfillment out of it. I know people say they do, and I think they're full of shit. I think they're just <laughs> saying that to make themselves feel better. I don't know how anybody could fucking like it, but whatever. I just know for me. But the reasons I do it are because, like, I want to physically be able to go out and live and enjoy life and if i don't you know i'm 45 i'll be 46 this year i think um yeah i'd lose track but (laughs) you know i want to get older into my 50s and 60s and be able to still go out and hike and camp and and enjoy the world and do physical activities and if i don't put that work in now you know i'm gonna start to have physical ailments and we see it over and over in society with the the you know it's the same with eating you know i i don't like to eat healthy if it's not good you know it's not as satisfying or fulfilling as a fucking twinkies or you know a cheeseburger or whatever um it's hard to eat that salad all the time it's hard to give up desserts and sweets and Mm. carbs but if i don't there's a consequence that comes along with that and i'll gain weight i'll have health issues possibly diabetes you know what I mean? And so we see that in our physical life too. And it's the same thing in our spiritual life. It's like the easier, softer way, unfortunately, isn't always what's best for us. Right. We, we do tend to use the, the band-aids after the fact. I, and and I'm, I'm not judging society. I'm judging myself. I mean, I'm currently struggling with, uh, you know, not being able to pass the fucking gas station by without stopping in and buying a black and mild, which if you don't know what that is, it's a pipe tobacco wrapped in a fucking cigar casing and uh i quit smoking i quit vaping and yet here i am struggling with the fucking thing all over again because it it feels good yeah it's hard to pass it up and and get past that that it feels good for some reason i'm drawn to that kind of shit right i was just thinking you were talking about the the religions and the anecdotal evidence and whether it's literal or not. And I I think it's been too many years since we've created a religion that we just can't relate to the ideals and anecdotes in it anymore, right? Like you you got Scientology. uh, (laughs) I'll pass. I I don't know much about that one either. But um, no, so like if you, I was thinking, okay, if you read the the Buddhist like literature, right? And, and, And you look into Buddhism, they've got a lot of anecdotes too, but I feel like they're harder 
for people nowadays to understand, kind of like that, that AA program where it's all written in old, you know, parables and about old topics. I had a, I had a chemistry teacher trying to teach us about, you know, a concept in chemistry. And he was like, remember when you were little and you made mayonnaise in your basement? And I'm like, no, bro, we didn't fucking do that here. And he was, he was from a place where that was normal, right? right. Like they did weird, uh, Churned butter. weird shit. Right. I'm like, no, I don't, that's fuck. What are you talking about? Anyway, the Buddhist like parables are harder to relate to and really grasp. You really got to dig for like, what the fuck are they even talking about with this lotus blossom and all? Like, I don't get it. Right. right. Because they're just so far ago and far into us. And I think, Christianity is becoming the same way. Like, what the fuck do you mean even the taxpayers, like, you treat right. their friends nice? So I think you and I need to make a new religion with new anecdotes that are updated. Same, <laughs> It's probably the same principles and parables they had. We just need to update them to modern times. Like, this bro was at the fucking gym machine I wanted, and I waited for it patiently or something. Like, you know what I mean? We right. need to update it so people can understand it now, and maybe then they'll grasp the anecdotes. And I, I know this sounds kind of humorous, but I, I really think we need to write this book and I think people would get something out of it. Yeah. Well, and it almost goes back to the, the similar, like if, if, you know, time really equals value, like, uh, you know, in recovery or if old people really can add value to your life with their input, it's almost the same with some of these older things that we look back on. It's like religion. We look back at it. And there's some value there, but it's so outdated it loses any meaning. Mm. And I think that same thing happens with uh, like a lot of these uh, anecdotal stories. Like they just don't apply to modern times. Like how do we update you know some of these whatever religious teachings or or Buddhist teachings or Bible teachings to like modern times to relate to fucking Facebook or cell phones or you know computer games? Yeah. Like we need that shit updated. I think I think that's our goal. Yeah. I think that might be our new life goal. Probably yeah. not. I'm too lazy for that. But somebody should take that idea and run with it because that's fucking brilliant. Or unless it's already been done. Somebody well, they do it with the Constitution all the time too. It's like we look at a document that's 200 years old yeah. that's almost irrelevant to life today, and we're like, we got to do it just by the Constitution. You know, it's like, well, it doesn't address a lot of shit that we have nowadays. It doesn't doesn't deal with modern problems. Right. <laughs> like, no. No. Absolutely right. And and we talk about you know. We're a connected society now, and I just think that's so misleading because the internet is an incredible fucking tool, but what it's connected us to is the internet, right? It hasn't really fostered connection to other humans or to spirituality, right? Because be, I think we're getting more disconnected from the people around us because of it all, yeah. right? The further we get to technology, we're actually disconnecting from people. We're in a connected world, but we're just not connected to other people anymore, and so... To me, that is a move away from spirituality, away from being centered with others, and being back to self-centered, connected to this internet. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, we're losing connection to community, connection to spiritual centers or spiritual practices in our life, and our society is suffering for that. Mm. (laughs) So while I don't have the answers for that, I do think we have exhausted this topic, and I know you were running out of time today. So, go out and be fucking spiritual, people. God damn it. (laughs) Even when it's hard. Yes. But anyway. Do the hard shit and feel good about yourself later. Or don't do the hard shit, and then we get what we get from that, and then we're, you know. Yeah, and and like most things, you can, uh, just to get a 
general idea. There's some lists of different spiritual principles around. You can Google lists of principles. There are lists with hundreds on there. There are lists that have 12 basic ones, you know, that are like basic ones. But for me, it started off with some basic things, you know, and, and, and I've learned that that was the process of recovery. In the first couple of steps, I learned about two or three of these spiritual principles, and I started learning how to apply them in those areas. And then as my recovery grows, I learn how to apply those principles in a deeper, more meaningful way. Mm. Um, but there are some basic ones, you know, there's like a list of like 10 or 12 that are that are pretty basic that if everybody just tried them a little bit, we'd be in so much of a better place. Yeah, so hit us up with your definitions of spirituality or spiritualness, which I just keep fucking making up and saying <laughs> anyway, and, and tell us about how what this all means to you, and uh, look forward to step eight next week. See ya. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with people you think might benefit from the conversation. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to join the conversation also and share your ideas with us. We'd love to hear it.